0: Welcome. You're listening to Soar Longform. With me, your host, Danny Easton. Over the past month, I've had the pleasure to sit down with people whose work captivates. People who push boundaries in their fields, ask questions and innovate. People who run. These dialogues are the basis for a series of long-form discussions where we dig deeper into their brilliant work and the light that it casts on the sport that we love. Today's guest is a teacher, coach, YouTuber, and Run Crew founder, who is a leading source of inspiration and motivation within his local community. A proponent of the Running Crew movement, having been part of two of them, now striking out on his own, he continues to inspire in the classroom and out on the streets of his local area. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to welcome Andre Coggins. So Andre, thank you so much for for coming on the show and being a guest. I'd, I'd love to start off, I was looking at your Instagram just before we, we jumped on this call and you describe yourself as a creative lab rat. Now, I'd love to sort of unpack the thinking behind that a little bit. Why do you describe yourself as that?
1: That initial sort of name got given to me a few years ago um, when I was sort of training. Because I'm, well, I wasn't deemed your generic middle distance runner. They used to call me the triangle because I was very top heavy and had really skinny legs um, so I got taken on by a sprints coach so, and automatically people would think I'm a sprinter but I just trusted this sprints coach because he just knew my body and he used to experiment with me with sessions and gym plans so I was you know some sort of lab rat and I really enjoyed it because I wasn't the typical athlete to go out and smash you know, 40, 50 miles a week, I was more gym-based and and speed-based and it really worked well for me, so I stuck with the name.
0: Uh, It's a great name and it it feels as well in terms of like what you do as well and your output, it sort of feels like there's a bit of crossover as well because you kind of seem to experiment with different things because you're you know you're a teacher you you have your running crew and then you have your running and your various kind of social media outputs it feels like you're kind of experimenting in in different mediums and I'd love to touch a little bit on on your teaching because looking back over some of your some of your vlogs you spoke about how when you were actually in school you didn't necessarily have the best experience in school so I'm interested to know for you Mm -hmm from From leaving school and perhaps not having the best experience, when when was that turning point when you actually thought that you wanted to try being on the other side, as it were, and being an educator?
1: There, was, there were little spotlights in my life growing up where I kind of knew I was quite good with children. I had a few coaching roles, so I worked with uh, Chelsea Foundation while I was at university, and I worked at David Lloyds in the creche. You know, I had a love for the teaching and coaching Um, younger children and I did a module at university where we had to go into a school into a primary school and deliver a number of sessions and from there I just really enjoyed it I had some great feedback from teachers students and also parents so I kind of plunged into the sort of teaching world after graduating and I took a year out to become a TA for a a child who had um, special educational needs. And for me, that whole year was just, you know, it was just a massive yes for me. I'm I'm in the right field. Um, It's just a shame that you know teaching assistants don't get as much pay as teachers do, Um, because on the social side and getting to know that child a bit more, I really enjoyed that aspect. But as you can imagine, as a teacher, you don't really get that that benefit because you have to look after a lot more children. Um but that's kind of where it sparked for me really.
0: That's interesting actually, and I never thought about it that way because yeah, as as a TA you're you're less bound by a curriculum or an agenda for a class and you kind of can have that more kind of one-on-one time and do you think like your work as as being a coach do you feel like that that those two kind of worked quite well together when you were having those kind of one-on-one moments with children like do you feel like that was a kind of a good dynamic
1: 100 100 100 like i can't overlook what a teacher does but in terms of what a coach and what a uh, sort of assistant does it allows you to to dig deeper into what that that person actually needs or what they're actually like And in a way, it it makes the job ten times easier once you know the person inside out. Um, So, for example, I had, say, I had a different checklist. So, you know, most teachers will have will say they need to deliver certain lessons throughout that day. But my targets were to literally keep this child in the classroom and see if he can learn as much as possible. If he can sit down for, you know, ten minute stints, that's a bonus. So, I just knew my main focus isn't necessarily. The lesson delivery, or him actually understanding, is him um, being able to sit at a table and be sociable in the environment, and for me to actually build a relationship, and then from there we can then sort of progress forward and take steps to start learning.
0: And when you are building that relationship, what how, how is that forming? Like, are you are you drawing on your own experience of of, of being a, a kid in school? Like, uh, are you? Yeah, how are you building that bridge between between you and the child? You know,
1: a lot of it is experience, but I guess where I went in quite young, a lot of it is just learning that child. And with special educational needs, you have to tread very carefully how you approach that child. So I probably spent eight weeks just looking at this child and just getting to know his habits, what he really enjoyed, what he didn't like. Um and then sort of approach, um, approach it carefully that way so one thing that stuck with me is that he loved lego so i said okay lego that's how i'm going to enter um, this boy's life so i just you know brought up general conversation with him about lego and he was like oh he's actually got a like and he's taking an interest in what i like and then from then we started building that bridge um, to the point where our bond was so strong that he wouldn't really <laughs> behave for anyone else but myself which was quite difficult when it came to me leaving so Mm. it was it was interesting
0: (laughs) it is interesting isn't it what what is the common denominator what is that thing that forms that link and then when you sort of so you now in terms of your teaching have you have you kind of moved up are you are you still a ta or do you are you now a full-blown teacher and if you have progressed is there do you miss that side of it, having less of that kind of one-on-one kind of building a real special relationship with children individually when you're dealing with a larger group?
1: Yeah, so now I've progressed. I'm, um, I'm a secondary school PE and science teacher, so I guess I have lost a lot of the connection I once had with students um, when I was a teaching assistant. But I guess with the PE aspect, I'm still allowed to have a unique um, relationship with my students, which I still massively um, love and enjoy it. but I do miss you know um teaching in primary and getting to know the children that way and working with friends
0: yeah. and and what was the jump like from primary to secondary because i've done I've done a little bit of um a little bit of workshops and and practitioner work with with children and the moment when you move from primary to secondary is is always a uh, that the gap closes. Do you know what I mean in terms of age because they're 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 closer to you in age, and there's a there's a real distinct kind of shift in 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 mood when when that kind of happens.
1: no, definitely, it was it was a little bit of a challenge. Um, i I took the route. My route was so different because you know you don't normally have people go from primary to secondary. You normally have secondary sort of take a step down and i to be honest it was it was a lot easier than i thought it would be <laughs> if i'm really honest um i guess a lot of it is based on personality because the kids just took a liking to me straight away so i was really really fortunate in that way um so i had no issues i generally just clicked with them and it was just, it was great.
0: And I suppose as well, the, the kind of the, the elephant in the room in terms of teaching, like how how has it been with, with COVID? Like that shift to to online learning and, and having less of that kind of contact that we were talking about earlier, having less of that sort of one-on-one time or, or class time with, with your students.
1: No, well, it has been really, really difficult um, in comparison to lockdown one, two and three because from lockdown one it was quite new to us we didn't really know what was going on everyone was just acting on impulse and being really flexible where i was at school with the key workers um, and kids and we were just trying to keep them as active as possible going on to lockdown two a little bit more controlled but we still didn't have enough to go off Um, but we knew the main thing was you know just to keep them active still And going on to lockdown three, I think it's been the most challenging because we now know the situation we're in. It was up to us to keep these kids engaged while being at home. And it has been extremely difficult. Um, One, because we've had to deliver about four sessions a day, four physical activity sessions a day, which is taxing on not only us, but on the kids as well, who may not have enough room, who may not have the facilities. such as devices and things like that to actually follow our workouts. Also their mental health, because even though we're putting these things on, we can't actually monitor whether they're getting outside or if they're um, interacting with other people or exercising. So it's been really, really difficult in that sense.
0: Is there a concern for you about mental health generally with with your students and and with kids sort of off the back of this? Do you think, you know, down the line there will be a lot to unpick with with kind of the the damage that has has been done with with children missing so much of that kind of valuable time of being in the classroom.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um I feel that mental health was quite bad before covid even existed anyway in younger in younger children because they can't actually express or well, they don't usually express how they're actually feeling to their peers or their older um older peers. So I guess It has been really really difficult and even though i haven't been able to kind of monitor what some of the children are up to i've been quite fortunate because some kids have said you know sir i'm feeling quite worried or i'm feeling quite lonely and to be honest that's really brave of them because it was quite a shock to me that 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 the kids are actually coming to me to actually express because when i was that age i would just bottle up and i wouldn't tell anyone and i know Sort of, I'm only realising now when I'm I'm 26 now, and I, I've just realised how much of an effect that has on you growing up.
0: It's interesting you saying as well prior to lockdown that you thought mental health within kids was was quite bad prior to this. What? Why do you think that is? In terms of like the kids that you interact with and in the and the kids in your community, why why do you think mental health has kind of always been an issue with with children growing up?
1: I feel like there's so many things to be honest, Danny, because. If you have a look at, say, social media, for example, there's a stigma that children at a certain of a certain age need to kind of live up to, have have the latest things, be in the latest trends, and that's that's a lot of pressure to put on a child, because from there, so many external things happen. So they look at that, they know, well, they see what they need to be wearing or or living up to. How are they going to get that? What sort of risks or challenges are they going to be undertaking to to achieve that and from there it creates a lot of a lot of anxiety it can create depression from a young age and they might not even label it as that straight away but deep down that is that is what they're experiencing and then I guess from when they grow up it can either improve or get worse um, based on what they're actually doing um, like I said before, it's just a lot of it is based on experience. So I kind of tell my children that I've been through a lot. So, what you see here isn't the the finished product product. I wasn't always like this. I've had to go through life and learn at my young age. Um, and a lot of the stories I tell them, some of them um don't actually believe me, but there's proof that you know I've gone through some things and that life isn't always always teacups and roses as i, as I always say
0: <laughs> and i mean obviously you don't you you don't feel compelled to to answer this question but have there been moments in your life growing up when you were perhaps similar ages to the children you're relating your experiences to that you can now look back on and mark as kind of cornerstones in your own development
1: oh 100 um 100 percent. when i was In my final year of school, um, we unfortunately lost one of our friends in our year group. And for me, that was a huge turning point because leading up to my GCSEs, I just about managed to do them. But I went off the rolls after them a little bit um, where I just didn't really, I wasn't really interested in education. Didn't know what I wanted to do because I knew I had in the back of my head that I wasn't going to live to see my sixtieth birthday. So, um, it was just a weird one. It was a really, really weird one because I went into a sort of a dark, a dark place. But then, where I always turn back to running, running has literally saved my life, because that is the one thing I've always had. It's the, it's, the sort of the catalyst that's just been there throughout my whole, well, yeah, my whole sort of teenage years. That has allowed me to take the right path um, and help me end up where I am now.
0: And when you were at that turning point, when you were you were sixteen. So when when did your running life, or your kind of running, the salvation that running kind of gave you during that period? When when did that start, and how how did that build for you? And I suppose would it be fair to say that you weren't necessarily aware at the time that it was kind of helping you, but looking back now and hearing you talk about it, it it's clear that it's had a real kind of uh, effect on, on on steering your life into a more positive direction. So. I suppose the question is, is when did it start for you that sort of real development and passion with, with running and with the sport?
1: I would say the real development kind of happened when I was in college. So I um, my mum kind of moved me away to um, a different college just outside of London where I can sort of focus on my athletics and, and my studies a bit better. And from there I used to wake up at four AM to go and catch the train to um, to go to St Albans. I knew I had training at 6am so from training 6am to 9 I had I had um, classes and then my day would kind of end at, I think it was about four o'clock and I'd have to get home for six so it was a strenuous day but I knew deep down that I wanted it So running has has saved me I don't know where it's going to take me I don't know what's going to happen but it is keeping me alive right now and if I need to wake up at 4am and do these things to keep myself alive, then, then so be it.
0: And what were your distances then? What were you? So you were a track athlete. Were your, Did you have a particular distance or a particular speciality?
1: I used to um, compete in 1500s and 800s. Those are the two distances I really enjoyed. Um, did a little bit of cross country as well. Yeah, really loved it. And that's kind of where I started, where the coaches started experimenting me with a bit of speed and, and gym. And that was really cool. Um, but I just got plagued with injuries. Loads and loads of injuries, unfortunately. Um, I just don't think my body was strong enough to withstand um, running, really, to be honest.
0: So when did when did the whole running crew thing kind of appear on your radar? Because I know you've you've branched out now, and you have your own running crew that we'll, we'll definitely come to and, and dig into. Yeah. But you were also part of a crew a, a, as well. Like when. If you were competing and training on the track, when did that sort of first come up in your in your vision or on your radar, the, the whole notion of, of running crews?
1: Um, so this happened probably about three years ago now, where I, I was at university and I picked up a really bad injury in my first, literally my first semester of um, university. I ruptured my, my quadricep. Um, so initially, I think it might have been only a grade two tear, but I re-injured it when I was training. and. That was a complete blow. Um, I had to wait for surgery. And I got put in contact um through a friend of a crew called Random Crew. And I was just like, What a cruise I don't I didn't all I knew was was track and running fast and competing. But I was just I was blown away at the fact that people actually meet up on the streets and just run and socialize. So I was just like, I need to I need to go and check this out, but I'm someone who I'm not. I'm not a very confident person. I might come across as quite confident, but I'm quite um, quite shy. I'm quite introverted. So it took me a while to get down there. But my first session, I saw there's probably about a hundred people. We just ran the 10K around the streets of London, and I absolutely loved it. Met some amazing people. I was probably well. I was think I was the youngest there at the time, but it just didn't it didn't matter to me um because everyone was everyone looked cool everyone had the you know the latest gear on and i was just absolutely loving it so i spoke to um charlie dark who's the founder of random crew and he kind of took me under his wing um and looked after me and then i was going because i was waiting for my surgery appointment so that was probably in about six months time so i was just going and meeting up with those guys every tuesday and running with them and I got in contact. I saw um, Corey come down to one of the sessions, He was um, who is the head coach at Nike London. And I was like, wait, that's the guy that's all over the Nike website and, you know, all over doing the, doing the crazy adverts. And I really wanted to go and speak to him for advice. But I was, me being me, I was super shy, super scared. And it just happened to be that um, Charlie just said, you know, Andre, come over and talk to, talk to Corey. Um then he kind of explained how I was a track runner just waiting for my surgery and um, he thought I should go down to his um, Corey's track sessions, which were at, um, they were I think they were called track east at the time he said you know when you when you're when you've come back from your surgery and you're feeling ready to come and join us please feel free to come down so I was like wow this is almost like a golden ticket moment for me but I said I can't you know I can't physically function just yet so I had to kind of wait for my my surgery and that sort of knocked me on the head a little bit because I fell into a bit of a, a dark stage once I had my surgery which kind of goes off onto a little a little tangent The week after my surgery my um, my granddad passed away so I had not only had to deal with my leg I had to deal with my, my granddad passing as well but it put me in a bit of a dark place um, but I managed to get out with my whole leg I didn't realise I had to basically learn how to walk again, um, which was, it was crazy. <laughs> it was honestly crazy. I didn't think it would be as hard as it would be, but going from not being able to bend your leg for for two and a half months to then learning to bend your leg, learn to walk. And then I would think I was in a brace for about nine months um, before I actually learned how to run.
0: <laughs> so the whole, so you were in a brace for nine months and then, At the end of those nine months, then did your physio and and your kind of retraining begin after you came out of the brace?
1: Um, Kind of. So, sorry, I I missed out a little bit. My physio, my um, rehab kind of started before my surgery. So the guys I was working with were really, really useful. Um, Shout out to the guys at Speedworks, who are amazing. Um, They made sure my quad was ready. So everywhere around my quad was stable. So it wouldn't just deteriorate once I'd, I'd gone under the knife. So when I came back, I was actually a lot stronger than I thought I would be. And um, when I got back training, so I once I had my surgery, I got in contact with Matt Yates, who uh, saw saw no massively well. And he did, like, I can't, I honestly can't tell you what Matt Yates did for me, like mentally and physically. He got me back to where I was. I'm running faster than I was before I even injured myself. And he kind of believed, he believed in me when no one else was there. So even though I was at uni, I got kind of almost brushed away to the side. Because as you can imagine, you've got about 100 athletes. One gets injured, well, you've got 99 to, to work with sort of thing. So I really appreciate what what Matt kind of did to me. And he supported the fact that I go back if competing isn't what I wanted to do, I go back to, to work with Corey and, and track Matthew and, and do some stuff with them and that's what I've kind of been doing ever since, even though I miss I miss training.
0: <laughs> it's really important to underline how powerful kind of community can can be when you're in those kind of periods of, of not really knowing whether you're going to get out of them, whether your injury is going to improve or whether you're going to get back to where you were or whether your mental kind of state is going to go back to where it once was. And I think, yeah, it's really important to really underline the power of community because was during that period, was it those interactions with with Matt or with, with Charlie or with Corey? Is that where you were kind of drawing the energy or the resolve to kind of keep going and
1: continue 100% 100% I used to be quite mentally strong but you know when you sort of have a have a, a quite a big surgery and your body isn't the same I I just looked at it and said you know what, my body's not the same as it was before and it doesn't feel right so mentally I wasn't there because I can Matt used to say to me like oh, Andre you're running really well but I said Matt, no, up here it's just not <laughs> it's just not with it and as you know as runners and as competitors, if, you're, if your head's not there, then not really, there's not a lot that you can do because a lot of it is, I'd say 90% of it is is your mind.
0: And it's humbling as well, I suppose, for coming out of surgery because you're kind of reduced to almost being like a baby again. Do you know what I mean? Like That feeling of being so yeah. vulnerable or not having, like you say, that that same control of your own body or your own, your own, your instrument as as it once was like it, it must have been really, really kind of a, a humbling experience as well. Do you feel like that's kind of underpinned your, your approach going forward with setting up your own running crew? Do you feel like having that kind of humbling experience? kind of lays a foundation for, for how you approach interacting with other people who perhaps you're wanting to inspire in the same way that, you know, Charlie, Corey and Matt were inspiring you.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um As I've always suffered with injuries, it's always it's always had to humble me, to be honest, because I used to, you know, put a really good block of training together. I used to be up there with everyone and then have a goal, which will put me three weeks back, three weeks behind everyone else. And I'd have to build myself back up again. So it was always like a, it was like a roller coaster. So I was always quite a humble person, um, but almost frustrated a little bit because of what I thought I could produce if I wasn't, if I wasn't picking up these injuries. But I guess the fact I'm quite a realist. I wasn't gonna say, oh, I if I wasn't in, if I wasn't injured, I could have done this, or I wish I did this. It's just the fact that some people are made to do this, and some people aren't, and. I don't think it was my time, or I was made to do something else,
0: and was that thing do you think founding your own crew and and sort of being more active within your own area and your own community do you think
1: hundred percent hundred percent um the feedback I've been getting from people over the last two to three years has been it has been so heartwarming and humbling because I don't something I've been doing for so long, I feel like it's just second nature to me I didn't I don't see it as in helping anyone as such or you know inspiring anyone it's just something that I love and I want to just spread the word um, of of running to people and yeah it's just amazing to kind of see the opportunities and experiences I have had um, regardless to you know not being able to to compete and be on that sort of big stage that I would have once liked to be on
0: I love that that perspective. It's like that old kind of saying is, you know, find something you love and you'll never do a day's work in your life. So talk to us about Mafia Moves then and like the kind of founding of Mafia Moves, which is which is your running crew. Mm-hmm. Um was there, was there a little bit of fear and trepidation kind of striking out on your own, considering that you'd been amongst sort of some of the original crews, like Random Crew and, and Track Mafia? Was there a bit of like, okay, now now it's time for me to kind of forge my own identity?
1: To be honest, I didn't, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I really didn't want to do it. Um, but Corey, you know, Corey believes in me massively. And he used to just say, Andre, why don't you start something up in, in North London? Why don't you do it? And he used to, you know, throw it in every now and then. And I used to be like, yeah, good idea. But <laughs> I used to kind of brush it under the carpet because throughout all my years of running, I have probably, I've probably counted the amount of people on my, on my hands that I've seen run around my area. So I just said, this is impossible. I'm not going to get anyone running. And the fact that I've kind of been able to use the, br- the blueprints from Trap Mafia and Random Crew to kind of build my my own sort of foundation, hence the, the word and um, the name Mafia Moves. It's almost taking the legacy or taking a piece of the legacy from Track Mafia and building it onto my own. Mafia Moves has been created well, it's designed um, and built off experiences and opportunities. So elite minded people like myself and others in the community, or just you know sharing the elite mindedness to other people. So yes, we do come from a, a community that is quite football orientated or known for violence and things like that. But what opportunities and what experiences can we bring to our community or show people in our community? Um, and I can say that through Random Crew and Track Mafia specifically, I have had some amazing opportunities that it's almost beyond beyond measure. I've been able to travel, to run. I've met the fastest man um, in the world over the marathon on multiple occasions and I just it's just crazy to think that uh track and field isn't the be all and end all there's more of a social way that you can you can meet people and you can run and gain fitness and have experiences at the same time as well and that's what sort of won it over for me
0: and it does feel like experience leads to inspiration and the more experiences you can be exposed to at a younger age or as you're sort of becoming more of an adult, the, the more kind of pathways in your own mind open up and things you start to see that you can create and I'm interested about you being quite quite nervous to, to begin with 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 mafia moves so like day one first first session like first kind of meeting of, of people how, how was that? how did it go?
1: You know what? I I just put it out there. I said, whether there's going to be myself just turning up or 50 people, I'm still going to run. I'm going to run a 5K. So if you want to come and join me, come and join me. If not, you know, hopefully come and join me um, at a later date. And I had one person that day. So I said, okay, two's a couple, let's do this. Okay, I had the same energy as I would if I had... Hundred people there, and it was amazing because that was that was the that was the stepping stone. So I had officially started my moves from that one person joining me, and then from the following week, I think I had about thirteen. I think it was between thirteen and fifteen, and I was just like, "Whoa, <laughs> what's going on?" And as you can imagine, with the weather changes and things like that, you're obviously going to get a bit of a drop off, uh, give or take, um, but throughout the whole year it was really really good and we reached our first birthday and I think there was about 30 people there and I was just like what on earth is going on <laughs> I was like this is something I've wanted to kind of create but I wasn't expecting it,
0: uh, it and they do and, and we're in crews like because they're they're within the whole Kind of the wider picture of running, they're they're a relatively new thing, but they have exploded in such a, a short space of time. And you, you know, listening to you talk about mafia moves, going from one person one week to you know fourteen, fifteen in the next week, and like there's there's always this sense of really rapid growth within them. What 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 is it do you think having sort of been within one and now leading your own? What is what are the qualities of them that make them so kind of appealing to people who might not even considered running before because you were even saying, you know, within your area people are a bit more kind of football orientated. It might not necessarily be on their on their radar running. What what is it do you think with crews that really sort of switches people onto the sport?
1: There was there's a number of things. I would say the most important thing is probably the safe space. And um, everyone that turns up, every sort of crew I've I've run with over the years, it's just been a friendly, safe environment where you're not judged on anything whether you speak english french spanish you everyone runs and you can somehow share um you can share stories and experiences without even having to speak much and that's what i loved about it no matter what country i've been to to run it's it's been special every single time um another thing is we call them the ogs so corey um, Charlie and there's loads of other you know coaches that have been doing this for many many years. I can just there's many times I've just gone to track and I haven't even ran. I've had a long day at work and I've just gone down and I just love to learn and listen to them and just sort of soak up soak up the vibes from them all because it's just amazing. It's just it's amazing. Um, it's just a shame that there isn't like a a hub or a space to actually. Chill out afterwards and and have these talks more often, but it is definitely the whole experience of just not just working out, but it's learning and and creating friends and and good relationships in that in that settlement.
0: Yeah, it does feel like the the sort of social kind of community side that happens kind of outside of the session, maybe before before and after, feels like part of the appeal and and like you say the the welcoming kind of aspect because they're they're so sort of opposed to kind of your traditional kind of running club. And I feel like that's, that's quite a purposeful thing, right?
1: It is. And another thing is that quite generically, if you run for a run club, you're just there to run and that's it. You run the 800, you run 1,500, you run the 3K. And that's all people mostly know about you. But with, with, these, with these crews, you forget, all. Well, you remember that people actually have jobs as well. You've got loads of people that are like creative, you've got photographers, you've got teachers, you've got people that work for the public services. And it's just amazing to sort of share stories that way as well. So I've got a um I've got a friend that comes down to Matthew and she's a police officer. And on face value, you just see a young black female. But when you dig deeper and you get you get um ha- having conversations, you're like, wow, you're a police officer, you're an amateur boxer, you're a teacher. You're an accountant and it's just that wow <laughs>
0: mm, a way to sort of really yeah get underneath um the personalities of the individuals you're training with as well and forging okay. that forging that sense of of community and, and a real bond because i feel as well and you must be feeling this now with with everything that's going on with covid even though you can't necessarily run together the importance perhaps of the cruise is 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 even more now than it is when you can actually run in terms of keeping that that community and that that connection to all these amazing individuals keeping that strong is there is there is there more of an incentive now than there was when you could run
1: i would say right now is very very difficult um because you know after lockdown 2 we were planning ahead thinking okay there are going to be some races that we can prepare for next year and we have gone into that. So this year we have started preparing for a few races, but as of the last you know week or so, we're starting to learn that they're going to be virtual races. And with that being said, we don't know if we're still going to be able to meet up and run this run this virtual race. We don't know if you're going to have to run it on your own. And it's quite it's quite um it's quite upsetting to be honest. So a lot of people have kind of stopped running for a while because they might be working longer hours being a a healthcare professional and other things like that so it has thrown a bit of a spanner in the works Um, but we're still trying to we're still trying to keep our spirits up we've got a a whatsapp group that we're we're keeping on top of it's just trying to keep spirits up tapping in with each other just seeing how they are uh, besides running um, you know just checking up on their their general health and, and well-being.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because when that moment does come, and, and hopefully it will come sooner rather than later, you you want that bond to be to be strong when you actually can get out there and and start start running again. And when that time does come, like, what are your kind of hopes and dreams for for Mafia Moves? Like, is there is there a sort of a, a bigger plan that you're hoping to kind of implement, like down the line? Are you, are you wanting to see it grow and change direction in terms of how you interact with your local community?
1: yeah 100 percent um the bigger picture with mafia moves is always to to spread the word of running so i'm still going to have the running crew i would love to go into schools and start educating especially the younger generations of you know fundamental movement skills so actually having a bit of coordination in your running because you have a lot of football clubs multi-sport clubs but you don't generally have a running club and that's what i found out over the years so i'd love To go into schools um like i said before i'd really love to have a hub or a partnership with someone where we can facilitate some talks with nutrition um health and just have and use some of the people from mafia moves to share their either their career choices so for example myself i'm a teacher i'd love to make the most of that and see if i can i don't know start a tutoring program some of the children in my community put on days where they can have like a career day where they can come and speak to people about about what sort of career choices they might want to be going down because this is all aimed at younger younger adults young adults because at the end of the day they're going to be pioneering our our country in the next upcoming years so I feel like we need to give them as much of uh, much opportunities as possible as possible
0: absolutely i think it's paramount isn't it investing within that that younger generation and i think there's real power and potency with taking the kind of crew model and implementing that within in, within an educational kind of context rather mm-hmm. than the kind of more rigid kind of running club thing because you're you're exposing children to you know your your friend who's the the police officer um you know or the accountant you know all that sort of collective experience but not in that kind of formal slightly stuffy context you know you're relating to them basically as like you say as 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 young adults and and in terms of 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 you going forward like i know you're training at the moment for for a half marathon are you wanting to build your own kind of endurance and your own longevity in terms of your own running
1: yeah 100 percent. i'm still even though i'm teaching and i working on other things at the moment i'm still trying to keep that elite-minded profile about myself so I'm never going to completely leave training altogether because I'm I'm a I'm a fitness freak I love training and I love working hard um so I'm just going to keep going and who knows where I might end up
0: I think that's that's a really good way to end it there keeping that elite mindset i think going forward is a is a really really lovely tone to end it on andre thank you thank you so much for for coming on the show and for for sharing your experiences really appreciate it thank you
1: thank you so much for having me really i really appreciate you guys thank you
0: you can find out more about andre's running crew mafia moves at mafiamoves.com you've been listening to soar long form with me your host danny easton and you can find more about Saw at our website, sawrunning.com. Next time. When
1: you're on that start line, you all have the same physically prepared body. No one is lining up on that start line with the same prepared brain.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, then subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts from. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.